Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We are continuing our series called Planted, looking at what it looks like to sow into our family, church, and community. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by lead pastor Jose Abaroa. Hey, Taylor, good morning. Jose, welcome back to the podcast. And we're joined by the doctor, the one and only Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being back on the podcast. Love it. Love being with you, Taylor, and all the faithful listeners to the podcast. Absolutely. Well, hey, Sean, you had a great message on Sunday, and I would love to hear your thoughts not only on the message and, and what God taught you in the prep before the message, but even just the series and the Oaks Project as a whole and kind of what what do you think God's even just showing you personally and then as a church, what He's showing all of us? I'm pumped. I'm excited. I, I guess my first response is emotional. I'm excited about what's going on in the church. I think that you're always moving forward or backward. Uh, I don't think you stay the same very much in anything in life, and it's exciting to be a part of a church that is moving forward. I think the Oaks Project is a great indicator of us moving forward into what God has next for us as a church and continuing to meet the needs of the people that He's bringing. It's an exciting time between the baptisms and the folks in community groups and the new community groups. and. Uh, it's fun, man. I've used the word excitement five times already so that, far. That's in, impressive. In the podcast. I'm, I'm excited just li- listening. I know, to and you I'm I'm pretty calm get excited. guy. I'm a pretty <laughs> calm guy. But I also got to talk on family. You ask about yes, the message yes. and leading up to that, and I probably shared this in the message. But I'd, I'd rather talk about family than almost anything. I believe that. I believe in the family. I believe in the importance of family. I think that a lot of life flows from the Lord into us and into family and then out into church and community. And so it's key to get it to get it right. Um, we don't always get it right, so it's key to learn how to yeah. make up for the places we don't get it right. And it is important that we just continue to try, even when we fall short, to do family well, because it's 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 the cornerstone of our of our culture and our society. Mm-hmm. I personally love just how you didn't just speak to those who are parents in the room or even just those who are married, but this is something that all of us, we all have a family and there's all ways that we can sow in, investing our time, talent, and resources to do that. Uh, before we jump in, you, you kind of had five different principles that I'd love to kind of unpack and even just the illustration you had of the foundation, the walls, and all that good stuff. But just going to what you just said about the importance of family, how, how is this so significant just even even as believers, because I know that this is even something that even from a secular context, family isn't as valued or maybe seen as something that is more of a have to than a get to. So what are even some important things before we even jump into these principles? Why why is family so important? Why and, and why should it be important for us as Christians? Yeah, family is the primary shaping force in our lives. It it just is. I mean, even for most of us, how we view God um, is shaped by the kind of father we have and the family that we grow up in. So if it's that big of an influence in our life, then we need to pay attention to it. Most of the ways that we interact with other people in the world come from, you know, lessons that we learned or fears that were created or wounds that happened or protections we developed in our family of origin. So it's just worth paying attention to. And then you go into the Bible and you realize that God uses the family as a metaphor many times in Scripture. And my favorite description of us uh, is that we are His children. And uh, that's a family metaphor. You know, it's like, you know, think of me in any way you want. I'm, I'm ultimately your father, you know, our father who art in heaven, and we are His children. We're lots of other things. The Bible describes us in lots of other ways, but most frequently it describes us as His children. So family has been important to God from the very beginning. 
think about the storyline of scripture and just what you said is beautiful. We don't know why God chose Abraham as the beginning, you know, in Genesis chapter 12. So we have Genesis, Adam and Eve, and then you have uh, immediately the the breakdown of, of the family. There's breakdown in marriage, and then there's breakdown in parenting. Uh, Cain and Abel doesn't go well for them. And then that leads to uh, Noah. There's breakdown in his family. Uh, that leads to this Tower of Babel narrative where it's all civilization. And then God restarts scripture. He restarts by calling out this man and then saying, I'm going to bless the whole world through your family. So biblically, it's it's clear that God loves the family unit and and we are to preserve, cultivate, invest so into our families and from that place we 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 can make a difference. Sometimes we think as Christians, I'm going to I'm going to follow, you know, Jesus and and I'm going to you know, invest in my church family mm-hmm. at the expense of our nuclear family, but you know, talking about the the qualifications of a pastor it's clear and, and an elder if you do if you don't have your family in order and that doesn't mean a perfect family it just means if you're not paying attention to your family then you're actually disqualified from leading the church because it's crucial and central to what we're called to and the way of doing family, like you just said, is set apart from the world. It is different. Uh, Sean, your first point here is just highlighting that Christ and biblical wisdom are the foundation of family, that that's what it looks like for us to sow into our family. Uh, I love the two passages you mentioned, Psalm 127, where unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And then even just further down in Matthew 7, where it just talks about the, the wise man building his house on the rock and the foundation. I think for families that were there on Sunday that either are coming super consistently or maybe try to come when they can. They hear this this point and they're like, "Yeah, absolutely. I want I want our foundation to be on uh, on Christ, on His Word." But I feel like it might be helpful to talk about what other foundations are out there. What what are some of the cultural common pitfalls or traps that families face? Because I think you know it may be great on a Sunday morning to say, "Yeah, our our foundation is in Christ." But then Monday through the rest of the week, what are maybe some other foundations that may be very subtle, but families have been built on without even realizing it. I'm glad you brought up the question because I believe that's honestly where a lot of us fall. You know, there's there's very few of us that are like, you know what, I don't care about God. I don't care about what he wants for my family. I'm going to do what I want to do. And th- there's, there's less and less of those folks out there. Um, but there's also, unfortunately, few people that are like, every decision I make, every moment of my day, every interaction with my kids and my spouse, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to apply biblical wisdom. I'm going to make sure that God is in the center of that moment. And that's difficult to do in a world that's constantly reminding us of everything but God, it seems like. And there's so many pulls. So I think for some folks in our community here, probably that listen to this podcast, um, things like comfort can become a God. What's it look like to create the most comfortable home that, that we can, you know, where we're insulated from the craziness of the world and, and we're just relaxed and, and everything is comfortable for us. And we make all of our decisions around, and I don't know that they would even put that into words like, oh, I know what we're doing. We're, our God is comfort. But a lot of people end up with that kind of as their God or their, their foundation. Um, I think a lot of people take something like popularity and they want that to be, you know, again, I doubt they would articulate it this way, but we have to be careful because the world sucks us into 
Hey, what do our social media posts look like? How are our kids doing in school? Are people looking up to them? You know, are they, are they popular? Are they getting their name out there? Are we, are we recognized in the community for who we are and for what, for what we do? So comfort can be one. Popularity can be one. I mean, materialism can mm-hmm. be one. You know, how much can we accumulate as a family? How many, you know, how many places can we have to go and nice places to vacation and, and, and extra stuff around the house? And how nice can our car be? So there's all kinds of little things that the world can pull us towards subtly, and it's worth evaluating. I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, you're serious about your faith and you're digging in, it'd be worth praying. All right, Lord, I want to pray. Help me understand what really is. What is it? Is it comfort? Is it popularity? Is it materialism? Is it your word? What? Where am I really building the foundation of my family at this point? You've said this before, Sean. Another subtle one is is family itself. So, so you put the family at the top instead of Christ at the top or Christ as a foundation. You say, I'm going to build the healthiest family that I can, or I'm going to build the, the best bond uh, with my children. I'm going to give them the best opportunities that I never got. And, and that can subtly take you out from church on Sunday morning. It can take you out from being involved in a community group. It can take you out from having biblical conversations with your children. I mean, this isn't a solo sport, raising kids and, and building strong families that are built on biblical wisdom. And and I, I, I that that's key. Funny enough, growing up, Sunday was our family day. Mm-hmm. And so we, did, we didn't go to church. It was our time. And I'm grateful for it because it really did a good job, um, especially with my brothers and sisters. We weren't invited. We weren't able to invite anybody over. It was just our family day. Good. But but you miss out on the cornerstone and the foundation, mm-hmm. which is Jesus, that, that brings about so many other blessings as well. Absolutely. Another key principle here, number two, is individual well-being shapes family health. So you alluded to that, Jose, just even there's there's good things in trying to be intentional and spending time, but even just as parents or even just as a member of a family, our, our individual health leaks out. And usually the people that are closest to us see that the most. And so, Sean, you mentioned just ways right here in this, this part about sewing in by intentionally addressing issues from your past, acknowledging hurt, identifying patterns of interacting and getting counseling are some of the examples of this. What would maybe be some encouragement to someone just to even evaluate similar question as we just asked, but what are ways that I can tell my own health? Am, am I healthy or not? What, what are some practical avenues that someone that's listening could say, yeah, well, where do I start in that process? Yeah. Self-awareness is key in this, Taylor. You've got to be willing to pause, look in the mirror and, and take an honest look and evaluate and say, all right, what areas of my life am I, am I doing well in? You know, am I, am I physically taking care of myself the way God would want me to? My body is a temple of God. Am I putting the things in I should? And am I taking care of it and resting the way that I should? You know, emotionally, have have I dealt with some of the things from my past and, and the triggers that I have or the fears that get that get pushed based on what happened in my life growing up or in my family of origin? And have I, have I dealt with those? Do I do I emotionally regulate myself well? You know, do I do I have emotions and I express them appropriately, or am I overwhelmed by them, or do I ignore or deny them? The third area is is mentally, I think, you know, you've got to take a look at, you know, mentally, am I feeding my mind healthy things? Am I renewing my mind like Romans 12 asks us to do? Am I focusing my mind on what's true and pure? Um, and then lastly, spiritually, the fourth area I think that you want to do in self-evaluation is, you know, am I connecting to the Lord in appropriate and healthy ways? And I think it's really important for us, whether we're already married or whether we're, we're parents or whether we're, we're even more mm-hmm. importantly, maybe if we're single yeah. and we're listening to this, 
man, what does it look like to be the healthiest version of yourself in those four years? Because when you are, you receive from the Lord and you receive from the Lord in a real clear, pure way. And then you can share that with others. And, and if you're single and you don't have that immediate family around you, there's still, there's, there's, we're going to talk about church and we're going to talk about the community and there are other way, there are friendships that you can sow into and invest in. I don't buy into the idea that I'm single. I'm just going to sit here on the sideline and wait. No, man, you're, you're always actively trying to be the best version of yourself. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor, regardless of what kind of relationship or relationship status you have. Yeah. You said at the beginning of this podcast, Sean, either we're advancing or we're, we're going backwards. And it's the same thing with our individual lives. Either we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind in Romans 12 or we're conforming to the patterns of the world. We're becoming more like Jesus or we're becoming more more like the world. And, and that's an individual task. Th- this, you said it on on Sunday, and it's it was a game changer for me when you taught me this, Sean, that if I take my stuff seriously, individually, I, I, I become a better husband because <laughs> I came into marriage thinking, I'm gonna fight for my marriage. And what that meant is I'm gonna fight my wife in, in the name of, being healthy. You know, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. Hey, you're not doing this. And and when in reality, if we just take our own stuff and take responsibility for our own well-being individually in a marriage, you, you that that's the best marriage counseling. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's a silly illustration, but as we transition to the third point in, in marriage and family, if you got two walls in the structure and one wall is busy leaning over trying to fix the other wall, it doesn't really set you up no. for success for no, everything really that follows, doesn't. right? That's the wall good. needs to be straight up moving toward the Lord, and then you got a chance. There are some listening that may have had great examples of parents and what they, they grew up seeing a great biblical model of what marriage looks like. But I'm thinking of many that are listening that didn't have that. And so they hear you saying, hey, marriage has to be honored and prioritized. And we talk about, okay, what does a healthy biblical marriage look like? Some don't have an example. They don't have an earthly example, at least in their own family context. So how did y'all, just as you grow in your marriage, who did you look to or what did you look to? Just again, practically, what does that look like for someone that wants to get serious about this, but just doesn't know what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, that, that's why it's so crucial to be connected to the body and, and the family of believers, because you'll you'll get those examples. The best examples are the honest examples, not the ones that pretend that they have everything going on, but what you talked about, the messy uh, prayer and the loud tables and the open doors. If you're invited into homes of people that are really seeking after Jesus and are being honest with their you know successes and saying, hey, this is by the grace of God, we we're at this point. And also here's where he's working in our lives. That, that, that helps us have a better picture of what a healthy marriage looks like. I'm grateful for Sean, you and Christina, others in my life that, that have modeled that really, really well. It is important. We got to do it together. Yeah. Right? The multi-generational community groups are such a phenomenal way to do church because, I mean, you're in a community group, Taylor. How many yep. how many yep. marriages are in the community group you're in? You're not one of them. You're single, but right. what a, yeah. you got that married would be about couples. half, half yeah. and half. So, yeah. yeah, and the varied ages too, probably, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. That's what you need. You just got to have other folks that you can talk with, you can look up to, you can learn from their mistakes. And at the same time, and marriage is difficult. You got to get help. Christina and I go, we get counseling. We have, we have marriage therapists in our life that speak into it. And we, we read books and we do seminars and we, we, we try to continue to get better because 
man, to, to be open and intimate and vulnerable with another person is incredibly challenging, um, but amazingly rewarding. So marriage is worth it, but it, you have to fight for it. I want to ask a potentially tough question here, but I think some people may be thinking about this in the context of a marriage, trying to pursue biblical marriage. What would you encourage someone who maybe feels like they are the only spouse that's mm. trying to pursue that? So not necessarily the other spouse is, you know, absent or just withdrawing, but just in this particular context, they don't see eye to eye about what it looks like to have a biblical marriage. Yeah, I think that we go back to the pillar before, right? The individual health pillar. And if you're in that situation, it's like, all right, what's, what can I do? What can I do to get as close to the Lord as I can to be the best version of myself that I can? And then if I'm investing there and putting energy into that, which again, honestly, Jose said, alluded to this, but a lot of that means you got to let go of that other person. Because if we're honest, we spend a lot of time trying to manipulate or control or get them to want to be in the marriage or want to invest in it as much as we are. So we got to release that that first, that I'm not going to control this other person. I'm going to look in the mirror, do the best version of taking care of myself. And then when I go back to my spouse, rather than go back in a nagging or controlling way, what I'm going to go back with is a vision for what I hope for. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to sell yeah. them on that vision. You know, hey, listen, I've been working a lot on myself the last few months um, because I, I want to be a better version of myself for you. I think together as a couple, we're okay, but I think there's more. You know, I really think that that we could have more fun in our relationship. I think we could have more peace. You know, I really think we could communicate or work through conflict better. When you're ready, just throwing it out there. I think I've got some options, some people we could talk to, a book or a podcast we could listen to. But I'm just I'm calling you up to that vision that I have for our marriage because I think you want it too, um, and I just want to get there together. So release them, work on yourself, and then try to re-engage them with with hope and a vision. I would also add that sometimes uh, we think that we need to go at that alone, and you don't need to. So there are uh, there are many people that are in this camp, and sharing that burden with somebody else is is huge because it will help you uh, gain that confidence to do everything that you just said, Sean. And then there are other times where it is important to ask for help because it's, it's not a safe, it's not a safe environment. Sometimes we're trapped in marriage in abusive and destructive, um, seasons and asking for help is huge because we can help as the church family, we, we can help navigate those really, really tough circumstances. I hate that that's uh, reality, but, but it is. And, and I want you to hear, uh, that, that you're not alone in that. And, um, the church wants to come alongside you and, and, and through a community group, through a safe, uh, person to navigate, to help you navigate that season. That's really good. That's really good. This fourth point here, as we move on children talking about parenting here, children are a gift from God and a responsibility to steward. I love the analogy of the arrow that you gave Sean and yeah. just the idea that, um, and, and speaking to kind of almost this continuum of either putting it on a shelf and just trying to kind of almost idolizing our children or even just trying to manipulate or control or steer <laughs> the arrow, uh, that way. And, and I know this could be a whole sermon. This could be a whole series, a whole book, but just this concept of, launching well. I'd love to maybe spend just a little bit of time just unpacking both of y'all's thoughts on some immediate takeaways on what does that look like, particularly even in a season where parents still have children in the home. What does it look like? You alluded to preparing your kids to be the best 25-year-olds they could be. What What are some things, practical things that y'all do as a family? I'd love to hear from both of y'all just what that, that looks like. 
Yeah, you're right. This is a whole nother series of podcasts to go over. The reality is if you have young children, Jose's got, you know, younger children, they're, they're getting up now, but uh, man, attachment is critical. It, it's, it's counterintuitive, but the reality is if you want to launch well, the people that launch well, the kids that launch the best have the most secure attachments early on. So if you've got kids under the age of seven, you need to be putting a lot of effort and energy into creating secure attachments. And I can't unpack that in a short amount of time <laughs> other than to say it's a lot about creating safety, having physical touch appropriately, you know, a lot of love and affirmation in communication, empathy, compassion, those secure attachments early on create a path where ultimately when they get to be teenagers there's a process psychologists call separation individuation where you start to separate and you kind of move away a little but then you run back to your parents and then you move away and you got to have some freedom you got to allow some freedom for teenagers so if you've got older kids and you're listening you got to allow that freedom you know you've got to allow them to make some choices you got to allow there to be consequences to their to their choices and that's part of what teenage parenting is about um, if we're ultimately, again, the goal is ultimately to launch them out into the world to be successful. And um, so different stages of parenting require different behaviors from us. But I think the whole goal of the message on Sunday and even this section that we're talking about now is just to get you to start to think, is this an area God wants me to explore further? And if it is, who do I need to talk to? What resource do I need to find? Um, you know, I want my kids to launch well, and, and I have this many years until, okay, who do I need to be reading or learning from to make sure that happens? If you're intentional about it, you got a much better chance of it happening. And it takes sacrifice. It takes time. It's not going to be easy to enter into. And so to your point, if that's something that you're hungry about, know that is what we're here to do, <laughs> to invest and sow into family so that our children can become these oaks of righteousness that flourish and, and provide covering and protection for their families and beyond. Another countercultural concept here going into the last point here about just aging parents should be honored and cared for. I, I loved how Sean in your message, this applies to everyone, whether we, you know, in all, all five of these, you can find yourself in regardless of what season of life and, and family situation God has you in. But I'd love to just talk about why, why is this so countercultural? Like, what, what does it look like to, to honor our father and mother in a way that is, is healthy and in a way that also brings them uh, honor in the midst of kind of this final stage as, as we look at this, this final part of the message? It's a swing, right? In historical swing, the reality is this wasn't a foreign concept. It wasn't countercultural a hundred years ago or thousands of years predating that. I mean, generations lived together. They stayed together. There was a role for grandparents that was, you know, honor given to great grandparents. And there's verses in the Bible about the wisdom of people with gray hair and the fact that we should listen to them. It's been around forever. This isn't anything new, but unfortunately, Man, the industrial revolution and people being more mobile and uh, distance created and going to works in some other city or some other town has created, you know, families that are further apart. And sadly, one of the big losses in that is connection to the older generation. And I think there's a lot of loss, not just uh, time, but there's a lot of loss in wisdom. There's a lot of loss in connection, um, learning what it looks like. I mean, man, I'm trying to do a good job at taking care of my aging parents because I want my kids to see, hey, this is what, <laughs> like, you know, I, we were divvying up the other day. I was like, all right, who wants mom? Who wants me? You know, later on in life, and I've got minds that I think I really want to take me because you know they're gonna they're gonna. We're doing the same thing now, so I'm glad to hear that I'm not alone. Starting them young, yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's important. It's just important. Aging parents, the el- the older folks in our community. That's why I love again our multi generational community groups. There's so much wisdom, and uh, there's so much life that can be offered from that generation down to to us younger generations. And then honestly, we just we need to honor. We need yeah. to give honor. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that last piece about multi-generational community groups because that's a place where you can share those pain points and the difficulties that come with honoring parents or uh, taking care of aging parents. It, it really, I would say, is one of the areas that we just don't talk. We just don't talk enough or or, or aging parents talking about their wayward sons and daughters and how to deal with their adult children that, that they're struggling with. So yeah, all of these are big topics that we want to continue to invest and sow into great message to overview you know 10,000 feet overhead and um, yeah tackle tackle it all thanks for listening to the conversations podcast be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com See you back for the next conversation.